Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Revolution Worker! gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was usa nails with revolution work that's from their 2020 album character stop came out on hex records usa nails not from the usa that's a trick they do they are from the uk in fact you might have been able to sell her an accent or two in there whatever you heard it was awesome because this band rules they have a couple great records uh, character stop is one of them life cinema is another both of those released by Hex Records. Just so happens, Hex Records is the subject of this week's episode. Snuck that in on you, huh? USA Nails, though, is a great band. I highly encourage you to go check out everything they've done because they have done a lot. You're going to find plenty of records from them. They have a split with Pet Brick 
which I didn't know that until like right this second. There's one with Tongue Party. These guys do a lot of cool stuff. I need to get all of their discography and I have zero at this point other than listening to stuff on streaming. So you should do like me. You should go to the internet and start buying it up. I think you can actually get Life Cinema and Character Stop as a two for one deal from Hex Records. But hey, this isn't a commercial for Hex Records. It sounds like one. I'm just really excited about that label. So I decided to have a conversation with the label head Ryan Canavan about Hex Records and uh, everything about it. So that's what this is. Welcome to this episode of Getting It Out Podcast. But first, Hot Zone. Check it! If you are a regular listener of Getting It Out podcast, perhaps you'll recall last month I spoke to Chris Wren of Bridge Nine Records. Previously, I spoke to Buddy Armstrong of Unbeaten Records, Mario Kangemi of Upstate Records, and probably another record label that I'm forgetting. But I wanted to make a point this year to interview at least one record label a month, one record label a month that I have greatly enjoyed. I'm sure if you're anything like me and even had a light obsession with music, you start to hone in on certain record labels that do things that you like. In the 90s, when I was a kid, it was Roadrunner. There's no lie about that. I used to just buy anything with a Roadrunner Records label. I used to buy anything with a label that looked like Roadrunner, which is how I discovered Road Racer and Gangrene in the I Ate One Before You EP. Then locally, I discovered Youngblood Records, which leads me to more hardcore stuff. And then it's Victory Records. And then it's uh, Ferret Records, Trustkill Records. Then it's Bridge Nine Records. Then there's 8389 Records. Reptilian. The list goes on and on. I've often found myself getting knee deep in record labels and all of their releases, trying to collect them all, even get this right records at one point. Didn't get very far. Usually don't get very far with any of them. Some, I have a shitload. Relapse records and A389 records probably make up most of my vinyl collection. That's true. And though I wouldn't consider myself a record collector, more like a record hoarder, I'm always on the pursuit for more. And I love when I find a record label and get immersed in it and obsessed with it and owning every piece of it. Hex Records is one I recently decided I need to own it all. Now I won't. I'll get halfway and then I'll get all sidetracked and caught doing something else and forget about it and find a new record label to obsess over. But recently with that Nub and Brain Cave release that we talked about a couple episodes ago with that Nub interview, it got me back on the Hex Records train and realized all these things that I used to listen to from the label and it made me go, I need to get reacclimated. So the best way to do that was to have a conversation with Ryan about Hex Records. So that's what this is. Of course, I'm going to play you tracks from Hex Records, Ryan's curated playlist as we go through this episode. Four tracks. USA Nails was the first one. The next one is called Dead Check. It's from Still Form. It's from their 2022 album, From the Rot is a Gift. It was featured on Decibel's Top 40 of 2022 records. It's an uncomfortable listen, but I think you just might like it. So let's check out this track, and then we'll get right into my conversation with Ryan. Stay alive, watch 
don't think I realized how long I've been listening to stuff on Hex Records until very recently. And I went and I was looking through the band camp and checking out the, all the past releases and going, oh, I have that one. I have that one. I have that one. And it's like, it's like it snuck up on me. And uh, so, so well, actually before we get all the way into Hex, that's, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Cause I realized there's a lot of, you put out, you've had a lot of, you've had a hand in a lot of records that I really like. Um, but I want to know just for you personally, because this is so, so diverse, how did you even get interested in this music at all? Underground music, whatever you want to call it. I was fortunate enough to get into, um, I guess you could say, you know, kind of alternative or underground type music at a really, really early age. Um, you know, uh, obviously pre-internet because I'm old, but, um, basically I, I just had a cool dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I had a dad who was, um, he, he, when I was very young, this is like early, early 1980s, you know, uh, and I was just a, a very young kid. Um, he just, he just kind of was like open to listening to all sorts of different stuff. And I don't know if that was like, because I also have a, an uncle who's like super into all types of music and he was pushing stuff on my dad or mm-hmm. my dad was just, you know, finding out about stuff, but he'd, he'd show me. And, um, uh, so very early eighties, uh, I was listening or at least my dad was <laughs> pushing stuff like, um, you know, like talking heads and yeah. clash stuff like that. It was like, you know, cause that, that was pretty alternative at the time. You, those bands were popular, but they were considered, you know, odd. And, um, I also remember like early, maybe like 84, 85, you know, uh, my dad coming home from the, the library, the public library. He was like, Hey, look what I borrowed from the library. And it was like a, a hip hop breakdancing compilation. I was like, <laughs> what's that? And I was like, this is so cool. So like, you know, I got early exposure to hip hop and, um, I remember years later too, like, you know, telling my dad about that, like, you know, you're really responsible for a lot of my musical taste. and. And, you know, I said, you know, this record and that record. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, I won a lot of those records. <laughs> he said he, um, he designed uh, some local radio station had like a contest where like you design a logo for them or something. And, and they would give you a free box of records. So he mm-hmm. did it. And, he, and he's like, oh, I won this box of records. And there's all this alternative stuff in there. So like, I'm not so sure if he was like, Oh no, I'm into like cool stuff. Or if he just kind of like, it just fell into his lap. He's like, I don't know, maybe my kids will like it. So, (laughs) um, so I got very early exposure, you know, fortunately to some really interesting music. And I guess my interest just kind of kept up from there. I just always was into kind of weird stuff, you know, like by like 1987, 88, I was like, you know, 11 or something. I was like fully into like the golden era of hip hop, you know, I was like, Cause that's what was happening then, you know, public enemy, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, all that stuff was coming out around then. And I was, you know, Eric B and Rakim and I was just like all in. And then when, um, when I was about maybe like 14, 13 or 14, you know, like 1991, 1992, you know, that's when Nirvana broke. So, um, so I was, that was a very formative, you know, when you're 14, I mean, you hear anything that's going to stick with you for life. So I was just, you know, right place, right time. And, and, um, I have an older brother and, uh, he was starting to get into some heavier music again too. You know, he was like getting into like anthrax and, 
you know, Guar and stuff like that. And he'd show me that stuff. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. And, um, you know, and, and then grunge thing kind of broke and I got really into like Soundgarden and, you know, Nirvana and all those associated bands and just kept digging and digging. You know, you look at those records and you see the guys in Soundgarden or Nirvana wearing a t-shirt for like, you know, Melvin's or whatever, you know, for some other band, you're like, Oh, what's that all about? So you look into that. And so I just kept digging and digging and, and that's, that's just kind of how I, and then, uh, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, which was like a really big hub for hardcore music, especially in the early to mid nineties. Right. And, um, again, time and place, I was like 16 and Earth Crisis are like the biggest band in, in the country. And they're like from my hometown. And I was like, well, I better go check this out too. <laughs> so, um, some of it was timing, you know, just being the right age at the right place at the right time. And, and some of it was uh, influence from family or whatever. So, yeah. um, I consider myself fortunate in those regards. That is, that's very cool. When, when did you start breaking off on your own, discovering things by yourself? Um, I guess, you know, especially when it came to like the early hip hop, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, like in the later eighties, um, that's something I just kind of came upon independently. I just like saw this cool new style of music that was starting to like, dip its toes in the mainstream, you know, it was starting to get some, sure. some recognition. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that was kind of independently on my own, like, cause I can't think of any other reason why I would, I don't know, white kid in the suburbs in the <laughs> late eighties. Like, you know, uh, Listening to public enemy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost probably like, Oh my God, what ideas are getting into his head. <laughs> you know? Cause all of a sudden I'm like, you know, a lot of people have been disenfranchised in this nation, you know. <laughs> right, right here in this neighborhood, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Some some pretty crazy ideas entered my head when I was, you know, pretty pretty young. So, <laughs> kind of carried that with me. I always found that correlation between hip hop and and punk rock. You know, mm-hmm. both were outsider music. Both dealt with had a lot of political and radical ideas and. Um, a lot of it came from the same place, you know, New York, New York city, you know, uh, one of the hubs of hardcore, one of the hubs of hip hop, you know? Right. And, and I think they, they recognize that, you know, they, they realize that, you, you know, you'd see like KRS one from Boogie down productions, like guesting on a sick of it all track, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're connected here, you know? So I guess maybe me getting into hardcore punk, might have been a little bit related to hip hop, you know, both were very radical and political in nature in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah, no, I can, I I totally understand and see the connection The that Syracuse, like you mentioned that Syracuse scene in the nineties, of course, very, uh, very influential because of earth crisis. Is that the first or, or what was, I guess the first music you started going to like the first scene that you found yourself immersed in live, like being a part of the crowd. Yeah, it was, it was probably that, you know, like I've been to concerts and stuff before that. Um, mm-hmm. like as a, when I was pretty young, like 12 or maybe like, yeah, I was like 1990. So I was, I was probably about 12 years old or something like that. Uh, my dad took me to see David Byrne, who was the, uh, yeah, the nice. singer of Talking Heads, you know, he yeah. was on like his first like real solo tour and he was doing a lot of like Latin American influenced music. And, mm-hmm. um, I saw that and I was like, that's really cool. You know, I, I like David Byrne. And then I went to a couple, uh, like Lollapalooza a couple, you know, a couple of years in a row. Cause that was happening maybe just a couple hours away from where I grew up. So, you know, I got to see, um, 
uh, Soundgarden. I got to see like Ice Cube. I got to see uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers when they were arguably good. <laughs> uh, I don't know if <laughs> that ever happened. But... That they were never <laughs> good. Uh, I, I feel that there was a period, you know, at a point in time, like they were, they were pretty good at one point. It was a long time ago. Um, you know, so I got to see some of that. And then um, I, I went to the first, uh, my first hardcore show in uh, January of 1994. Uh, so again, showing my age, but um, yeah, that was around Syracuse. And like right away, I was just like, yep, this is it. This is, this is where I belong. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from then on, it was just, you know, downhill from there. Well, when do you, when do you start when does the uh, idea of Hex Records start forming for you? Um, probably like, probably like a little ways into maybe halfway through like going to college, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was, because when you, when you're part of a DIY scene, you know, you start seeing all the things that you can do in there. You know, and you and that notion occurs to you that like, you know, all these people can do this stuff. Like, I could do it too. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I took something that I was already pretty good at, which was um, I was very into cartooning and drawing. And me and my friends would like draw comic books. And um, this is in high school. And uh, this one friend of mine who I'd collaborate a lot with with drawing and doing comic book stuff. He knew how to, um, he figured out and knew how to like put a, a, a publication together, you know, like the way you have to separate the pages, like, yeah, the pagination. Yeah. Like four pages on one sheet of paper, right. right? The signature. Like one, yeah. two, and then the last couple. And he showed me how to do that. And I was like, Oh, I see. Okay. Like you don't just staple sheets together. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, you can fold them over. And so I, I kind of like got an understanding of that and I turned that into making um zines so i started doing that that was kind of like my entryway into like participating in kind of like diy punk culture is like i don't know i know how to like write and i know how to like draw and you know i i can put stuff together so i was like i'll do zines so i did that for a while and um that started to get um pretty well known with what i was doing i you know i was i was kind of pushing in making it bigger bigger thing and by the time i was like halfway through college it was like it was like a pretty well established publication um what was that called uh it was a zine i did called hanging like a hex oh okay and that went on for quite a long time and it was you know um um it was like a pretty professionally made after a while it went from Mm -hmm. just being photocopy to newsprint and being with like, you know, full color covers and Mm, getting distributed and like, you know, some chain stores and stuff like that. So I was getting a lot of uh, like promo material from different record labels. And I was kind of figuring out like, Oh, this is how they do records. And, you know, and I kind of started like getting an idea of like how those were made just from dealing with a lot of labels um, because of my publication. Uh, and then I wanted to put out records. I just was like, ah, like, where do I start and how do I do this? And, um, Mm -hmm. the opportunity came up to collaborate with a record label to release a record as like, like a seven inch record as like a uh, bonus with one of the issues in my magazine. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And, And that label ended up 
kind of bailing, even though like a, it was like a little compilation and a, a, the bands that were supposed to be on it were still like, yeah, we'll, we'll still be on it. So I just had to like kind of carry it from there and be like, okay, where do I go to press a record? You know? So <laughs> it just started from there. It, I just kind of needed like, the idea was there for a couple of years before I started the label. I just needed kind of like the boost, you know, kind of like a, like a push, you know, just push me down the hill, you know, sure. like just yeah. do it. And so yeah, that, that was, that was how it happened. What was that first comp called? And is that the official like hex records one? Yeah, it, it was. And it was just called like the hex compilation. And, um, mm. it was supposed to be a compilation of bands from a record label called temperance records that was around in the, like, the mid to late nineties. And, yeah. um, they're no longer around, but, um, at the time they, they were releasing, they released a record for a band called Herman DeKalb, who were all friends of mine from Syracuse. And they were the ones who were actually like, Hey, this label wants to put out a comp and like, would you want to do it? And it, so they kind of facilitated it. Mm-hmm. And then when the label bailed, um, Herman DeKalb had already recorded their song and the band Nora, who sure. were on um, Ferret Records, which is now Good Fight Records. Uh, the singer of Nora is Carl Severson, who owns and operates Ferret Records, which is now mm-hmm. Good Fight Records. Right. And uh, so they were on it. They were going to be on Temperance, but it didn't work. So I got the Nora song. I got the Herman DeKalb song. And from there, like a couple other bands were supposed to be, but it just didn't happen. So I was like, eh, let me just get local. So I got um, my friends in a band called Eternal Youth who were from Syracuse. And at the time I was um, attending college in Buffalo. And, uh, it's right when every time I die started. So I was like, mm. Hey, do you guys want to be on this too? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I got an every time I die song that never came out on anything else. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The exclusive. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I should say like Carl from Nora and good fight record. Uh, I was like, Carl, man, I, I'm going to do this thing, but like you put out records, where do you go to get your records pressed? And he gave me all these contacts for mm. like, you know, pressing and this is what you got to do. So, so he gave me a hand with just give me, the proper tools and contacts and it went from there and i wasn't sure if i was going to keep the label going i just i did the one release and then like i was like i don't know now what you know and and it was maybe like almost a a year maybe less than a year before the next thing i put out and at first for the first two or three years i was like i don't know maybe i'll put stuff out like i just was really unsure and money was tight so i didn't put out much in those first few years well, when, when I think, and again, like I was talking to you earlier, I think maybe before we were recording, I didn't realize that I was listening to Hex Records stuff then. Maybe I did. I don't know. I don't remember because it was so long ago, but now looking back at some of the stuff that, that, uh, you did put out like the minor times and, uh, and engineer, or oh, I'm sorry, the minor times, not engineer. Um, although I liked the engineer stuff, what the fuck am I trying to think of? Minor times and Ed Gein, that stuff like that in the early two thousands. Like yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I, I totally remember. I didn't realize it was it was you doing it back then. But so, was there a direction, a sound, a style you wanted to stick to when you started Hex? At first, I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go with it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ever set out to have like a specific sound or aesthetic. You know, mm-hmm. I just was like, I just want to do music that's interesting. You know, right. like. I'm always of the idea that like, yeah, I come, I come from like punk and hardcore, you know, and, and that's very important to me. Um, but, uh, I always like the idea of like pushing it forward or pushing it into like some other direction or, you know, seeing where it can go. 
And so uh, I'm always of the mind, I, I like to work with bands or I appreciate bands, you know, that kind of come from that same sort of aesthetic that come from like maybe a punk background, but aren't just like, yeah, we're just going to play like three chords or like, eh, we're just going right. to do like, like bands are like, mm, we're going to kind of do something else with it. We're going to see what else we can do with this. And I've, I've always found that very interesting and very inspiring. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think now it is, um, a lot of the releases I put out are more associated with like noise rock and stuff like that, which is fine with me. Like that's cool. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't set out to do like one particular thing, you know, it's yeah. just like, that's, that's what's like, that's what's like kicking my interest, you know, at that time, you know, I mean, you listen to a band, like I put out records for a band like Alpha Hopper, you know, who are just like weirdo punk, you know, and totally like fun and crazy and spastic and weird. And then, you know, yeah, I put out stuff for like engineer who are like ungodly heavy and, you know, like it's just super loud, you know, incredibly loud and just bombastic. So I feel like there's a good amount of variety regardless of, of what I've put out, even though a lot of bands may kind of follow a similar train of thought, you know? Yeah, no, but I think that's one of the things I really, I really enjoy about the label. And I always appreciate labels who mix it up. And I yeah. think, cause that keeps me coming back. And I like, I like when it's, I like when it's different because I, I, there's not, I don't know. You, you know how this is. Everybody, well, people of a certain age know how a lot of times you just associate a record label with good music. Like, yeah. just like you know, it's like, oh, if it has the hex stamp, I'm going to listen to it and, and sure. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, I got to imagine there's plenty of people that have been doing that with you for as long as you've been doing it. Has, have you kept it going pretty steadily since you started? Have there been any lulls? There, there's been a few laws and those only came from, uh, a couple things. One would be like, yeah, just, you know, nothing's really like, you know, uh, doing it for me at the moment right. or something. Yeah. And the other was like, yeah, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to think within the last, you know, um, I'd say maybe like seven, seven or eight years, you know, I've, I've been, uh, as far as financially goes, I've, I've been like pretty stable. So it's like, I, okay, I can, I can do this on like a regular basis, you know, as opposed to yeah. like maybe going, I mean, the biggest lull between the releases might've been like a year, you know, mm. so I don't think I've ever gone longer than that without putting something out. Right. Yeah. But I do try to put out you know, three to four records a year. Like that's, that's very comfortable for me. Sometimes it's a little bit more, sometimes it's a little bit less. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, you can say that for most labels though, right? Like speak for yourself for Hex. Is there, is there any releases that you really loved that fell flat that didn't really go anywhere and that's, <laughs> that's frustrated you at all? Oh yeah. That explains like half the stuff I've put out, you know? Um, no, I mean, I, I frequently go into putting a release out knowing that like, look, this, this isn't for everyone, you know, that, that describes most of my releases. And, um, but you know, like, that's the thing I've committed to. It's like, look, like, I know, I know this isn't going to be for a lot of people. So like, you know, manage expectations or whatever. Um, 
there are some records I've put out where I thought like, oh yeah, this is going to do great. You know, like there's no reason people shouldn't like this. And then, it, you know, for some reason it doesn't catch on. I'm like, ah, what, you know, what went wrong or what did I do? Um, and then there's other stuff I put out where like, I was like, yeah, this, this would be fine. And then it, you know, it, it blows up. Like I didn't expect anything to like, I just thought that they were too fucking weird and crazy and just like, you know, uh, <laughs> unlistenable for most people to that, you know, I thought like, yeah, they'll do okay. I mean, people locally like them, so they'll do fine here, but like, you know, um, they just caught on and I, I never expected it. And they, they got really big. And I mean, obviously part of that is because they toured nonstop. So it's like, right. but you know, there's, there's other stuff where, um, uh, you know, I wanted it to do better and I, and I wish it did, uh, just cause you know, like it, it means a lot to me and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, people should love this. It's like such a great record and you know, it's, it is what it is. So <laughs> you, know, you can only do so much. So. Sure. Sure. But you've been at it for a long time and you keep, you keep doing it. There's, I, I was trying to also think why or how I came across a lot of these releases engineer specifically. I was looking at the engineer stuff. It's like, why do I remember all these records? I feel like I remember getting them all at one time. And I think it was because the era of downloading music for, you know, off of, yeah. off of, uh, blogs. Now I'm a buyer, right? I, but I, I download, I used to download a lot, but I'd also buy, you know, like, like you, this is a room yeah, sure, records, you, you know, like, yeah. and, and over there and right. But, uh, but seeing the engineer stuff just reminds me of downloading things from like blog spot pages. So I'm just curious now that doesn't, that doesn't seem like it's a thing anymore. I don't And if it is, I don't know about it, but like, how did, what was that effect? Like, cause you kind of went through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it used to frustrate me at, at one point, you know, cause I was like, I was like, come on, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm barely like scraping by here, you know, throw do a few bucks, you know? Um, I remember like one exchange one time with like, you know, someone had put up, uh, like, yeah, like Ed Gini P or something like mm -hmm. that on YouTube. And I was like, yo, what the hell? Like, you know, this isn't yours. And I, and I, I, uh, I remember like, you know, submitting like a, like a complaint about, it. I was like, yeah, that doesn't belong to them. Like that belongs to the band, you know, or whatever. And, uh, the, I think whoever put it up there got mad at me. I'm like, Oh, I just want to share it. I'm like, yo, you don't like yeah like i just got mad about because i was like what what gives you the right just to take someone else's stuff and just like give it away that's i don't know so i i had my frustrations about it at one point um i think a lot of that is diminished you know because there is like you know spotify yeah. out there and everyone's just renting music these days you know so um <laughs> And I, personally, I, I don't personally use Spotify. I think they're, you know, like a greedy, evil company. However, my entire, most of my catalog is up on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> I have a distributor who just like, they put it up there. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm just like, I don't know, man, maybe I'm getting 50 cents a month off of this release from Spotify. But like, it's better than nothing at all, you know? Right. And in the case of a lot of my releases, um, 
you know, it's an overall benefit for them mm-hmm. in a sense, you know, it's like, Hey, they are picking up new listeners and new fans because this is out there. Um, I don't know. I'm conflicted about it. You know, one day I'm thinking like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Let people listen to whatever they want, like get it however they want. I don't care. And then other days I'm like, man, that motherfucker should have paid for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. I I think that's, I think that's fair though. I always say I'm a, I always say I'm a big hypocrite about it, but uh, I love the convenience. I love the convenience of it. But I also I also back up my my usage of streaming by saying I buy my shit too, so I don't care. So so I yeah, I, I stream like crazy like and that. I buy. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people are like that. You know yeah. um, that like I I want to hear a thing. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Like if someone's gonna put up a few tracks, you know, on Bandcamp or whatever, and they just like here, this is our band. Go listen to this. You know, I can either say like, oh, that was cool, and you know, not think about it, or I could say this is terrible i don't know why i even bothered five minutes of my time with this <laughs> or you know if i like it, i'm like oh awesome i'm going to get that you know like it you know anytime there's like a band camp day it's like yeah i'm like i don't know like I, i'll buy digital tracks whatever like i don't have a whole lot of room left on my record shelves so it's like <laughs> yeah i'll just buy digital man like bands get some money whatever you know so um yeah i i hear you yeah well speaking of of buying i i mentioned this uh, when I was opening that brain cave, brain cave and nub split, it, it's remarkable to me how cheap you sell your records for compared to everybody else. Um, why, why do you do it like that? I don't know. I think it's great, of course, but, <laughs> <laughs> but. yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, uh, I, there's a lot, there's, there's several elements to like me putting out a record where I save some money. Um, one is I, I assemble all my own records. I don't leave it for the pressing plant. I get, you know, my cover is done one place. My records done another sure. place. They all come to me and then I put them together. So I save a little bit of data and then, um, uh, not so much for the records I just put out in the last year, but, um, but prior to that and going forward again, uh, there is a record pressing plant that's um, literally like four or five miles away from where I live. Mm. Um, it's it's in Portland. So I have the potential of saving literally hundreds of dollars by not having them shipped to me. It just I just drive down the road and wow. get them. So um, so there's some ways that I save money in that in that respect. And honestly, my, my aim, you know, with putting out records is, is not to like, you know, uh, make a living off of it. It's just to break even. So I like to keep records as cheap as I can. Basically because I want people to have the means to get it. Yeah. I want people to have the means to be able to get it and not be like, Oh man, it's 25 bucks. Like, ugh, you know, I wish I, I wish it was a few bucks cheaper because then I would get it. It's like, you know, I want, I want people to have that opportunity. So many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's extremely cool. Uh, and again, as somebody who buys a lot of records, I know you, cause you know, you look, you, it's like you said, you, you might look at it and go, oh, it's, it's 25 bucks. And then you add the shipping and then you do, you know, and it gets it for one record, you know, you're hitting 30 bucks, which now is kind of normal. So maybe there's certain people that are like cool with that. And I know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm like the one who's like, I'll sell my stuff for cheap, but if someone else is selling their shit for more, like, all right, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to make it worth someone's money. You know, I want to like make a good presentation or like make it look good and, you know, um, make it worth their, their dollar, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, I think you've done, I think you've done that for a while now. Um, there's, there's bands on your label that, uh, like we kind of talked about or mentioned at least that kind of, go all over and sound. I've said engineer like 60 times, uh, but obviously the brain cave and nub split that uh, you just put out the Oak and bone. I love the Oak and bone stuff. I like that Gatheus record that the last one that came out. Um, there's, there's a lot of cool, the USA nail stuff. Both of those are awesome. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, the great Sabatini, great falls, a lot of cool things that you've done. Um, do you have a favorite? Is it, is it easy to pick a favorite? No, it's it's not easy to pick a favorite. Uh, there's, I, I mean, I, I've I've had this question before, and there's a couple releases I've put out, especially uh, from a long time ago, that I always kind of point to as being sort of like um, kind of kind of low key favorites, but but it's more so because they're bands that no one remembers, and I always want to be like, no, 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 like these guys were great, these guys are great. Uh, because I, I thought they never got the attention they were due. So, um, so, you know, all the records I put out, I'm obviously stoked to have put them out, Sure. but, uh, I go back to one of my first releases, which was, uh, a full length for a band called building on fire. And that is a band who ended up becoming, um, well, one of, one of the members ended up joining Achilles and Achilles mm. kind of like, is more known, like a lot of people knew about Achilles. Yeah. But Building on Fire was um, very like kind of convergish, but like a little bit more, a little less metal, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, but of that same intensity and speed. So I did, I did a record for them and I just never thought it kind of got its due. I just thought it's such a like awesome, awesome record. And um, the people on it were great. They were all like really super creative and had all these like really weird, crazy ideas to throw into their songs. And um, they were just exciting individuals to be around. So that record I'm always pointing to as like, no, 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 like the Building on Fire record, that one was awesome. 
And the other one is um, the National Acrobat 7-inch I put out, which was, um, for those unfamiliar, um, after they broke up, the two brothers in that band, Ryan and Evan Patterson, went on to do like, you know, Ryan went on to do Coliseum and Photo Crime. And then um, mm-hmm. Evan has done, you know, Breathe Resist and Young Widows and Jay Jail. So like, you know, those guys are still doing stuff. I still keep in touch with them because they're great people. But, you know, if, if anyone were ever to ask me like, oh, what's the sound of FX records or whatever, like, I'd probably just say, listen to the National Acrobat 7-inch. It's heavy. It's hardcore. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like wild. So like, you know, those four songs, I think not only are the band's best songs, it's just like a perfect 7-inch. And, um, and uh, it's really indicative of like, Oh, you want an idea of like what kind of stuff I put out? Just listen to that. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. So, uh, so I think of those two releases often, um, mostly because they sort of flew under the radar a bit, um, yeah. or they've forgotten the time. So. Right. Right. Cool. Those are two cool answers. Um, the, the going the other way, what has been, what is the most quote unquote successful release in hex records? Probably I'd mean stuff. Without question. I mean, those guys just like, I mean, to this day continue, like I still get people who, you know, hit me up on a pretty regular basis, like asking about them or showing interest in them. And I'm like, man, didn't that style like, (laughs) see, I I think that's pretty good. Like (laughs) people stopped playing shit like that by like 2005 or something. But, um, you know, they, they, I don't know. They still got like lasting power. I'm, I'm like amazed by it. It's not that I, think like yeah yeah like in retrospect they suck like no no no, they're awesome <laughs> it's just like i just thought like oh at this point i thought people were over it you know and no like uh, people still check it out and like they're still into it and it's it's really weird so that that's been the most successful release by a long shot um but i also did like i did like a record for lemuria you know yeah, real yeah. total opposite end of the spectrum but like i mean just like some of the kindest friendliest you know, uh, pleasant people I've ever met in my life. Um, mm-hmm. and they were a well-known band and they toured a ton. So I did a seven inch for them and, you know, that was very successful. It was just a one-off. And I guess more recently in terms of like successful releases, I, I seen the more most recently would be like the exhalance LP I did and which really took out, like, I did not expect that to like get as big as it did, but that, that got a lot of attention. I was like really happy about that. And, um, and then of course, like Gatheist, you know, cause they're like here in Portland, they're kind of like very, very well known or regionally within the Pacific Northwest. They're just like the greatest band out here. Like everyone loves Gatheist. There's so much fun and they're hilarious people and their music is amazing. So like, that's, that's a release. I was happy to like put my label on and be like, oh yeah, I did a Gatheist record. That band rules. So Yeah. That's cool. Uh, the, I, I didn't know Gatheus was, I didn't know Gatheus was that popular to be honest. I thought it was just something I found once, you know, cause <laughs> not, not um, like I was really one. But... Hmm. Yeah. They're very region specific. They don't, they don't get the opportunity to like tour heavily. And when they do tour, they kind of have only, they've only been like kind of in the West, you know, mm, or, gotcha. or as far as like maybe like Colorado or something like that. So a lot of people on the East coast might've heard the name because it's a funny name, you know, it's a very yeah. clever name, but they probably don't know who they are. But out here in the Pacific Northwest, they're, you know, everyone knows Gabe. They're great. 
Well, just speaking of uh, exposure, being well known, what does having a record like the Stillform release from last year ending up on Decibel's top forty? What is that? How did that impact? Did, did you see a bump in sale of those records from that? Uh, <laughs> no, not exactly. But I mean, I, I saw a bump in attention. Um, there you go. Because yeah, they've they've started to get like some more like. Like they're they're local guys here in Portland too, so I'm regularly in contact with them all the time. But um, uh, yeah, they started getting kind of offered more shows and like you know shows in like different places, and uh, so they're like, oh, like you know, because they they they're a band that's kind of was expecting like from the get go, like not not to be like a hard touring band or anything like that. Right. So they um, they're out of town stuff has to be kind of selective. So, um, they started getting some like, you know, offers for like, Oh, come play this festival or whatever. And they're like, Holy shit, we got asked to play like a festival, you know? <laughs> so now they're starting to have to think about some of that stuff. And that's, that's awesome. I'm glad they're getting some attention. Cause yeah, they're, I mean, they're not an easy band to get into. They're not writing pop hits, you know, they're writing like, <laughs> yeah. extremely abrasive and un, unsettling, you know, uh, music. So yeah. it's not easy stuff to get into, but you know, people are taking notice and it's like, Oh, cool. Like, all right. Like, I'm glad this is getting some attention. Cause I, I, I knew it was going to be kind of hard to mm -hmm. push that record because it is, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a hard listen. It's like, you got to really pay attention and like, you ready to, get bummed out <laughs> you know um and also you know uh they're they're a new band you know right relatively speaking they they haven't played that many shows so you know kind of like pushing a new band is always difficult but um yeah they're starting they're starting to get their their you know some attention which is cool i'm glad they are well speaking of another somewhat recent release you did a split for child bite and Multicult. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've done a lot of splits, a few splits, let's say. You've done at least a few splits in yeah. X Records. What, how, did, how, does it, how do you usually do that? Is that something that you usually want to put together yourself? Is it uh, somebody coming to you? What do you, and more importantly though, what do you think makes a good split record? Well, uh, Oh man, what makes a good split record is kind of tough to answer. Uh, I guess, you know, bands that pair well together, I suppose, they don't necessarily have to sound alike, but, you know, there, there should be some connection there. And, um, and not just using, you know, like throwaway garbage tracks or whatever, just, you know, using some good material. But um, I don't know, I, I was kind of like, for a long time, I was kind of like, not really feeling one way or the other about splits for the most part, even though like I had released, you know, a few of them over the years and I'm I, anyone who's paying attention, I've been doing a lot more of them lately. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm like trying to just do splits or anything like that. I just, when I, when I, um, like early on in the label, I did a split for Achilles and engineer that mm -hmm. made total sense because the two bands were like best buddies and they toured together they're both like very creative and you know, we're from the same region. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I did a split for my band dialysis with a, another Syracuse band called bleak. And, um, that was just for fun because we were all buddies and like, 
you know, I, I had this cool idea, like, yeah. And like, you guys will cover a song and I'll sing it. And then we'll cover a song and you guys sing it. And it was this, you know, it was this friendship. Um, but with the, when I did the, uh, great falls, great Sabatini split, that was something that, um, the guys in great falls brought to me because I had done stuff for playing enemy, which was like their band before great falls. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they reached out and were like, Hey, we got some extra songs and we've been trying to do this thing with great Sabatini. And like, would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, like I like working with you guys. And, um, uh, that one, you know, I mean, if, if you've seen that split, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like one sided, it's got a locked groove in the middle of the record, which is <laughs> ridiculous, but I mean, awesome. The B side is like this very elaborate etched, uh, laser etched design that, um, Sean from great Sabatini drew cause he's a tattoo artist. And then the cover was like this letterpress, very nice uh, letterpress cover that Damien from great falls did. Cause he's, uh, a letter presser. He knows how, you know, he owns a letter press machine and, and knows how to do that stuff. Um, so I was like, yeah, it's like both bands are artists and like they contributed their art. And then we did this like ridiculous packaging. And from that split, I was like, you know, I think I'd like to try to do something like a yearly kind of thing like that. where like do one split a year where it's between two bands and like, hopefully each band has someone artistic in there or do some like weird kind of packaging. And, um, that worked out really well for multi-cult and child bite because the guys in child bite are like crazy screen printers. Like they did, well, uh, both the Sean's, you know, the two Sean's in that band are ridiculously talented when it comes to design and screen printing. So like they took care of that. And, and with that nub brain cave split, I am completely unsure. I, I, well, I'm pretty sure the drummer from brain cave does, um, like tattoos and stuff or, uh, he has, he has some artistic leanings, but, uh, I don't think either band, um, as far as I'm aware are not, you know, super well-versed in like packaging design or something like that. But so I, I just did, I just, I just had this cool thought of like, Hey, you know what, this would be a cool package, you know? So that was kind of intended, like the multi-cult child bites, but it was supposed to come out like a year ago. Yeah. Um, it was a surprise release. So like, not like anyone was waiting. I just was like, Hey, by the way, this is out now. Um, but it, it just got delayed by pandemic stuff. So, um, so it's supposed to be, you know, great falls one year, child bite the next year, nub and brain cave this year. And instead I ended up having like three split releases this year, which was like <laughs> way more than I ever intended. It just kind of happened that way. But I, I already have stuff on deck for like the next two years. So I'm not, going to say what it is, but, um, but it's stuff I'm working on and, you know, involving some artistic folks. That's awesome. I like hearing, I it's like a, hearing that things are, thing. I'd like to keep it a, yeah, I, I want to keep it a running thing where it's just like the idea of like, I want to do a ridiculous package, like something insane. And then, uh, pair it with like cool bands that I think are cool that aren't necessarily like on my label. They're just fucking cool bands that I like, you know? So, yeah. Well, speaking of that last one, Brain Cave, no, obviously, you know, I like them, uh, that, that record brain cave is from what, like Cleveland and nub is from Baltimore and you're in Portland ish. How does, yes. how does, how does that all come together then? How did you end up with this split? It was random, man. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I, I can't remember how I discovered brain cave. 
I don't know what it was. It was just something random. I think I was just going through like, you know, like, like different Facebook forums, you know, about music and stuff and seeing this band post something. I'm like, I don't know, I'll go check this out and listen to it. I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Like, I like this, you know, and I just kind of, it just kind of earwormed its way in. They, Brain Cave kind of released a, um, I don't know if they kind of self-released it, but they put out a full length uh, a couple of years ago. And I, I just think it's great. I was like, wow, this is really good. And I just kind of kept up with what they were putting out because they're, they're kind of prolific. They kind of record quite a bit and mm-hmm. just keep dropping singles and stuff. And so everything they do, I'm just like, this is so cool. And Nub was I probably kind of like the same thing. It was kind of like, hey, this is, you know, and just find it on a forum and be like, Shit, this band's fucking great. And then my friend Bobby, who does a label called The Ghost Is Clear, mm-hmm. um, ended up uh, pressing the Nub demo to cassette. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I just blindly reached out to both bands. It was just like, you know, both your bands kind of come from like a similar sort of sound. You know, it's kind of rooted in like 90s post-hardcore, you know, mm-hmm. 90s heavy alternative or whatever. And, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of like what I grew up with, you know, like in my teenage years, I'm like, that's the type of shit I like, man. So I just, I think I blindly just reached out to both bands and be like, Hey, would you be into doing something? Cool. Let's do something. And that was it. And, um, you know, I I think the dudes were cool with it because they were, they're still kind of a new band. I think they're kind of just open to anything. Mm -hmm. And the brain cave guys have turned out to be, uh, incredibly easy going they're just like yeah whatever you want to do sure we'll just do it next week like they're super super easy guys so yeah and i tossed around some ideas of art and you know i think both bands were kind of like yeah i don't know whatever sure i was like okay i'm just gonna take the reins here and just go <laughs> and, and I, thankfully i think they're cool with it and the um the the record came out really really good it came out better than i thought it would and um, again part of that's due to sean from the two sean's from child bite who did the mm. print the printing for me again um they did an incredible job with making it look nice and put it all together and there it is it's out in the world and it only took like a year to do it so yeah <laughs> yeah it is it's out in the world it's on one of my shelves somewhere behind me um that's that's a great one it is a cool pairing i do like that they, you're, you're right they sound they have a they're rooted in a similar sound, but they don't necessarily sound the same. And uh, I think, I think that's what I yeah, think it's, that's it's, what makes a good, a good split. Yeah. I mean, I, there wasn't a lot of planning involved in that one. I, I was fairly impulsive. I just mm-hmm. was like, that's a cool band. That's a cool band. I'm just going to hit them both up, whatever. Like is <laughs> usually I put a little bit more plan into it. I kind of look around, think about it. This, this one, I was just like, fuck it. Let's just do it. You know, so it's it very impulsive. Well, well, I'm glad that one worked out, but that makes me wonder yeah. what have been or what has been the biggest mistake you've made with your record label. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the biggest mistake was uh, not leaving Lumberjack Distribution before they uh, <laughs> went under and tanked. Uh, that that was my biggest mistake. And that mistake was you know, over 10 years ago. So. Um, for, for anyone not familiar, Lumberjack Distribution was a huge DIY, well, DIY, whatever, uh, a huge operation. Um, I remember the logos on the back of the CDs. I yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they were, uh, 
around in like the later nineties up until about 2008 or nine mm-hmm. or so. Um, just a huge, a huge force, uh, for independent distribution of punk records. And, you know, they had a lot of really well-known labels that were distributed by them. Like, um, you know, trust kill Jade tree, you know, the guy from doghouse records ran it. Um, it was a huge operation. And when I was approached to be uh, distributed by them, I was elated. I was like, I made it, you know, <laughs> that's it. Uh, this is good. I'm going to get, and it went well for a few years. And then, um, and then the owner ran it into the ground and a lot of people were jumping ship and I was like, I'm still okay. And then they didn't pay me for like a year or something like that. Mm. And then, uh, I, I should have got out earlier and then they tanked, you know, owing me, I don't know, several thousand dollars or something like that. So, uh, yeah. Fuck Dirk Hemseth. <laughs> 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 I should have got out earlier. Uh, that was my biggest mistake. Um, yeah, but now I'm, now I'm with a distributor called MVD and they're fantastic. They're based out of the Philly Metro area and they've, um, they've been, very good to me over the years. They're just, you know, they're the type of people like I might not make much money from it, but I can guarantee like, you know, the, by the fifth of every month, there's a, there's a check in my mailbox, like right. every single month without fail, you know, and they report to me every single month. Like that's all I want. Cool. You know, and, and it's a testament to why they've been in business for over 30 years because they know what they're doing. So probably 40 years. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. So, damn. Wow. They're not the biggest one out there. They're just, they're just the best. So in my opinion. Good, good. Well, that's, that seems like a, a good uh, learning experience at the end. Good operation. I, I recommend any record store uh, owner listening to this podcast, uh, uh, contact NVD for your distribution needs. <laughs> good <laughs> to know. <laughs> yeah. And then make sure you get plenty of my releases on there. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks in advance. Appreciate it. <laughs> So tell me a bit about what's happening with Hex Records this year. Whatever you can. I'm not asking you to announce anything. Oh, you mean coming out? Yes. Uh, Yeah. yeah, There's a handful of things that I got, um, you know, cooking, I guess you could say, you know. um, But uh, usually I I plan my stuff out a little bit farther in advance. But um, uh, I just kind of like have a general idea of like what I'm doing this year. But um, <laughs> just, I, I, you know, I can ask some stuff, I guess. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to do an LP for a band from uh, like Liverpool, England. They're called Mums. Um, they're really great. Very uh, he- heavy, heavy, uh, but catchy, super catchy stuff. Uh, kind of like in the vein of like, maybe like, torch but like but like noisier um and a little more fun maybe a little less (laughs) concerned with like the like torch is very very like if you brought torch into regular tuning it's like pop songs you know yeah mums is a little bit more like grimy you know but in that same vein of like oh yeah we're singing but over like just super down tune like sludgy heavy music so um that's very catchy so i'm gonna do an lp for them I'm going to do an LP for a band called Day Job. We're from um, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, who again are very, very much in that vein of like carp and mm-hmm. uh, just dirty, sludgy noise rock, you know. But um, 
that's a couple dudes from a band called Null, who I did a, a record for a few years ago. So I, I know them from that. And they're like, this is our new band. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. So um, <laughs> in fact, I, I uh, did a split cassette release for them and Wipes earlier this year. So that was kind of like the introduction. Yeah. Like, hey, guess what's coming? Day job. Be on the lookout. So I'm going to do records for those two bands. Um, I'm aiming to release more material from Pinko, uh, from mm-hmm. uh, the Texas, San Antonio type area. I did their full length a couple of years back. Uh, they're awesome dudes. Um, whether they're, they're aiming to record a new LP, whether it comes out this year or next is up in the air because just their schedules. So I don't know if it'll happen this year or next, but um, I'm aiming to do something for Pinko this year. I just haven't, haven't landed on exactly what it is going to be yet. Are are pressing plants back to the point where you can, you can expect things to be done within a year? Uh, It's hard to say because, you know, pressing plant stuff is ridiculous from anyone who's had any experience of like buying a record in the last two years. Uh, (laughs) It's like, you don't know when it's going to be out. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, that um, I'll be putting stuff out this year for the bands that I just described, but you know, um, it could be later this year. Yeah. It could be a little bit. So, um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, you know? Yeah. No, no promises. It's just guarantees that like, yes, this is stuff I'm putting out mm-hmm. when, uh, hopefully this year. <laughs> I hope so. So yeah. And I got, I got a few other things in mind, but they, they might be a little further down the line. So, uh, a little further out. So I won't say anything about that. Yeah. No, keep some, keep some stuff. <laughs> secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's been how I, I'm sure, I'm sure you said, but it's been how many years now that you've done this? Uh, so 2023 will be, uh, I started the label in 1999. So this is year okay. 24. Okay. So I'm, so, thinking about it. I'm thinking about next year already because it will be the 25th anniversary of the label. I'm like, Oh man, I got to think of something cool to do for that. So I'm, I'm already getting some ideas brewing. I have to start thinking about them now so that they'll happen. Right. The actual anniversary is so. Yeah. Well then this, so then you, you probably don't have a good answer for this one or maybe you do. You're almost at 25 years. What's it going to take for you to stop doing hex records? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think about it a lot too. I'm like, when do I stop doing this? Like, when do I stop? Yeah. When do I quit? And I thought like, well, what do I quit? Like when I hit a milestone of like a certain number of releases or like a certain amount of years doing this or do records just become so ridiculously pain in the ass to actually make that I just, you know, quit out of frustration or like, I really don't know, you know, do I just do it until I'm dead? I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause, cause there's a lot of times where I'm like, you know, my life would be so much easier if I just didn't do this i could just not do this <laughs> yeah. that would be easy um but then i would get painfully bored you know like the, like those people who's you know work the same job for 40 years and they were- but it's funny that you say all that because just earlier today i was thinking i don't need to do the podcast or the website or any of the stuff that i do i do it all just because i was like i could stop anytime yeah but, but what but what <laughs> the hell would i do yeah, yeah. i'd stop anytime 
yeah um i don't know you know we do it because we're compelled i don't know i have no idea you know i i I have a i i mean i do i have a need in my life to be creative in some way and um i have several outlets to do that you know and some of which are not demanding at all and they i just do that when i feel like it and then others i feel like more obligation which is like you know label because i'm not just like oh yeah i'm just gonna put out a record because it's fun like at that point i have an obligation to be like i want to do justice for this band like i want to make sure this goes well for them i'm facilitating this on their behalf so like i don't you know i want them to feel like you know their their creative output got attention and that it got the you know the, the accolades that it's it deserves so um yeah hard to say i don't know i mean if i quit i'm just gonna be like an old man just like puttering around my house you know like watching birds or some shit you know like you know yeah or like you know just go to my day job and do my you know regular work and then like be miserable you know <laughs> so i have no idea you know or just go to shows and be like yep that's a guy who just goes to shows all the time and doesn't do anything he's just there to bother bands or something like that so I I really don't know. I don't, I don't have a game plan for quitting. I don't have an exit strategy. <laughs> you have it that was my conversation with ryan of hex records the song you just heard was a track from the record that we talked about by the national acrobat the it's nothing personal seven inch 
the track Mexican movie stars. Hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. And I know you did as well. I don't need to ask you. You definitely did. I want to thank Ryan for sure for taking the time to have that conversation and for providing me with so many great records over the year. And I will continue to come back. I got a cart full right now, ready to buy on the Bandcamp, and you should too. Go load it up. Go buy those records like we talked about. They are cheap, cheap as it gets, without sacrificing quality, of course, and there truly is something for everyone if you like underground music, extreme music. What do we call it? X music, X? No. X, how, what's, what do we do? Like X games? X music. If you like X music, there'll be something cool for you at Hex Records. That kind of goes pretty well. Let's go with that. Ryan, new marketing plan. X music on hex records. Snap into it. Ugh. Sounds good. Free commercial right there for you. Who's it going to be next month that I talk to for a record label spotlight? I don't know. I kind of like to decide this on the fly and we'll see who it is. I don't want to do like hardcore, 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 hardcore. I don't want to do metal, 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 metal. You know, I want to mix it up. Noise rock, hardcore, metal. That, you know, you, you get the pattern. We'll figure it out as we go. But I could probably predict about who you'll hear on here next. I've already talked to quite a few, but we want to do it when it makes sense, when they got stuff coming out. You know, you follow. I hope you do. Speaking of following, I hope you're following what's happening on gettingitout.net. Sure, go there. Look at what's happening. All sorts of stuff. Weekly tour wrap up. Weekly fest wrap up. Weekly new release schedule list. News, reviews, what more do you want? Band pages. Every band that you heard on this episode of the podcast is going to have a page there, whether they're active or not. I will make that happen. Just check the show notes. Go check it out. And I got one last band for you to check out here. This is Achilles. We talked about them a little bit. They had a split with Engineer. They had a record called Hospice. And this song is the last track on that record. It is called The Cold Floor. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Let us wait!
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.